So around this time of year, we often say and hear the phrase that we have so much to be thankful for. And with the saying and the hearing of that phrase, we then give thanks. And it's true. We have so much to be thankful for. It's true. On Thanksgiving Day, I was very intentional about giving thanks to God for my family and my health and my family's health and this church and my friends. And I imagine many of us, maybe most of us, did the same thing. And rightly so. We should give thanks, especially on Thanksgiving. We should give thanks. But today, I want to talk about the most important reason why we give thanks. The most important reason we give thanks. Friends, we give thanks because God is good. We give thanks because God's faithful and loyal and unwavering love for us is a hundred percent true and consistent and unchangeable forever and ever and ever. And this is why we give thanks. We always have this to give thanks for. And friends, there's times that we have more things to give thanks for than other. And we know who the enemy is. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I promise you this, the enemy is always going to tell us that we don't have as much to be thankful for as we really do. We can be thankful because our God is good and because his love and his mercy endure forever. First Chronicles 16.34 says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Upon initial search, I found this exact phrase that I just read, that exact verse I just read, I found it 11 times. And that doesn't even count Psalm 136, who says, just like every verse is, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of American football, because he's good. Because, I mean, it just goes down the line. And it just, Psalm 136. I won't even count in that. But 11 times, it gives these exact words, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. That's listed 40 times. His steadfast love endures forever. This is why we give thanks, friends. God is good. And his love is with us and committed to us and upon us forever. Friends, I I don't know how to grab a hold of this truth the way I want and bind it to our hearts the way we need. 
But this truth should be the thing that causes us to daily look to Jesus Christ. Because He's good. Because His love for us is faithful and true. I wish I could make every person in this room fully believe this without doubt and without wavering. I wish I could convince you fully of that. But I can't. And actually, that's not my job. It's never my job to convince you of anything. My job is to stand up here and to remind you, to talk about Jesus, to remind you that He is good. You know who convinces? The Holy Spirit convinces. See, if if it's man convincing, it's got a manipulative edge to it or it's got a domineering or controlling edge to it. If it's the Holy Spirit that convinces, it brings life. It changes lives. We should each be reminding ourselves of this truth as well. Our God is good. Yeah, but this is going on. I know, I know that really stinks. But our God is good and He loves you. Yeah, but I'm really hurting right now. I'm really going through a difficult stretch. I know for that, friend, I don't have an answer for that. But Jesus loves you and He is there with you. And and if you'll run to Him and and let His goodness be upon you, it, it will make a difference. God is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Friends, this is not just a Christian motto. This isn't just a catchphrase. This isn't just a catchphrase. And and what's ironic is this was a catchphrase for a long time. And if you grew up in church and went to Christ, I went to Christian college, and it's like a call and response thing. If you said God is good, you had a multitude of people saying what? All the time, boom, there's our Christian catchphrase. Now, that doesn't mean it's not true, but I don't want to minimize this to a Christian catchphrase. But it's true. He's good all the time. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-19 says this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. You guys, this isn't just a motto that God is good and that His love endures. This is the will of God. This is the will of God that we walk in that truth that we and not just the truth guys not just the truth as we hold it as a precept but as we walk in the truth that we let let that penetrate our hearts god is good all the time mark is good some of the time kara's good more than mark but she's not good all the time god is good all the time It's interesting to me that he uses such flawed people to to walk out his will. It, it's humbling. 
that he, it's humbling to me. It's personally humbling to me that he uses me to get up here and to represent him and to point people to him week after week. It's humbling because I'm flawed, man. If you give me enough time, I'll step on your toes. I'll hurt your feelings. You'll catch me on a bad day. I'll be a jerk. You'll tell me something really important to you and my mind will be somewhere else and I will have not heard a word you said. And stuff like that's offensive and stuff like that is hurtful and I'm going to do it. Not not intentionally, but just because I'm flawed. And God is good all the time. He, He always, his ear is always tuned to what we have to say. His heart is always towards us no matter what we are going through. This is the truth we have to grab a hold of. There's times life stinks, but God is always good. When we look back on 2017, we are to remember with trust and gratitude. Not all circumstances in 2017 were good. There were painful circumstances. There were hard-to-understand circumstances. There were challenging circumstances. But in every one of those, God was good. So the other night, Karen and I watched a movie. Um, We watched the movie The Shack, and we'd been wanting to watch it for a while, and we just hadn't. And then I started hearing people talking about it, and then I didn't want to watch it because I knew I'd cry. And I don't want to just intentionally watch a movie that I know I'm going to be bawling at. And so I avoided it. And Kara's like, let's... We didn't have kids. She's like, let's watch The Shack. I'm like, let's watch Breaking Bad. (laughs) And and she goes, no, let's watch The Shack. And we we watched that movie. Um, And it was very challenging. It was very... It was hard to watch. And I cried. I cried throughout. And I'm like, my wife knows I'm crying. I might as well just cry. I might as well just, you know, don't have to hold it in. And her head's on my chest, and I feel the bouncing of her head as she's crying. And uh, it was a good, I enjoyed it. There was a quote, um, there's a line in that movie where, where the father is talking to this main character who has endured just an unthinkable loss, an unthinkable hurt. And the father says, I can work together incredible good in the tragedies, but I don't orchestrate the tragedies. And that stood out to me. Because, friends, a lot of times we think because God is sovereign that he must orchestrate the catastrophes and the tragedies. And I say it all the time, guys. Every single day, God does not get his way. We think God gets his way all the time, and that's just not true. The Bible says that he desires that not one would perish. And people die every minute of every day without knowing Jesus. And so he doesn't get his way in those moments. He doesn't get his way in the midst of catastrophes and tragedies. But he's still good in the midst of them. If we'll look to him and run to him. The Bible says he turns all things for the good of those who love him, for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. But it, he doesn't, it doesn't say that everything that happens is good. 
Because we have to trust that God is good. We have to trust that God is good. In the midst of the valley, we have to trust that He is there. We have to trust that He is with us. We have to trust that we're not alone. In the hard times, God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And I want you guys to know in the hard times of 2017, He was always with you and He never stopped loving you. And with this trust in our hearts, we combine it with gratitude. That's an interesting combination. Trust and gratitude. Trust and gratitude. So the elders at Impact Rock, we wanted to do something special for for all of you. And we had ornaments made this year. And we, we did ornaments a couple few years ago as well. But we, we intentionally wanted to tie it into today's preach. And we're going to hand those out at the end of the service. And those ornaments, although we think they're pretty, they're there as a reminder of this, this special truth. So it reads, 2017, remembering with trust and gratitude. And by the way, they're not black and white. They're made out of wood. They're lovely. They're lasered. But I figured this would be more easily read. Remembering with trust and gratitude. When we remember 2017, friends, we should do so with trust. Because not everything that took place is good. And we should remember with gratitude because God is always praiseworthy. We can always give thanks for He is good. But it's also a reminder that there's things we're going to face in the upcoming year that will be challenging as well. Pretty soon we're going to be talking about 2018, the year ahead of us, but let's not go there quite yet. Let's talk about the days ahead of us. Counting today, let's talk about the 35 days that we have left in this year. What will those days bring to your life? What are those 35, those next 35 days, those remaining 35 days in this year, what will they bring to your life? You might be saying, "Uh, I don't think I really have a say in the matter. What if you did? What if you did? What if you had a say in the matter? What if you had a say in what tomorrow had in store for you? I'm not trying to lose you because I I know that we can't dictate tomorrow. Psalm 90.12 says this. So teach us to number our days that we might get a heart of wisdom. The King James Version says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. That word for count the days. Lord, teach us to count the days to number the days. It's the Hebrew word mana, and it means to prepare and to appoint. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to prepare our days. Teach us to appoint our days. Teach us to ordain our days. So what does that mean? It means not. It, it means that we're not just supposed to sit there and wait for tomorrow to come and see what happens. Just to wait till tomorrow and just roll with the punches of the day. It's to appoint the day. 
How do we do that? How do we prepare our days? Well, how did it happen in the beginning? How did Jesus appoint the days? How did, how did, how did God appoint the first days? He was intentional. He was thoughtful. There was preparation. And each day that he spoke into existence, he did so with purpose, with a plan. Before the first days existed, God prepared them. He appointed and purposed the first days. And he he purposes every day since then as well. He purposed those days and he purposes tomorrow and today as well. So how do we tap into that? How do we find out what his purpose is for tomorrow? We pray. We rejoice. We give thanks. We set our hearts on him. We talk with him. Friends, we, we, we have a say in tomorrow. Because see, God has a say in tomorrow. God has real tangible thoughts for what he has in store for us tomorrow. God has really tangible purpose for what tomorrow holds for us. A lot of times we just don't ask. We just don't tap into it. We just don't pray. We just don't take the time to say, Lord, I don't know what you've got in store. I don't know what you've got up your sleeve for tomorrow. But whatever it is, I'm in. Whatever you have, as long as you're with me, Lord, I can make it. Lord, what's the goodness you have for me? Lord, what's the ways that you want me to not look at me, but you've got purpose for my actions tomorrow, for my for my heart. So Lord, what do you want me to do tomorrow? Lord, I don't want tomorrow to take me by surprise. So Lord, what's on your mind? Lord, what's on your heart? Because that's what I want to do, Lord. What are you doing? Would you open my eyes to see what you're doing so I can jump in? Lord, who are you ministering to, Lord? Lord, whose hearts are you touching? I want to see so I can be used in that ministry of, of ministering to them also. I just need to see, Lord. Lord, how do you want to show me how much you love me? Lord, I believe that you are good. And I believe that your mercy and your love endures forever and ever and ever. It is steadfast. It is true. You are faithful. So, Lord, how do you want to pour out your goodness upon me? How do you want to dote over me? Lord, I believe you're a doting God, an affectionate God, a loving God. I don't want to miss those those winks and those smiles and those hugs and that outpouring and that strength that you have for me, Lord. See, our day shouldn't just end with us giving thanks for the day. Our day should end with us being intentional about tomorrow. And we've got 35 days left in this year and they can define the year. Those 35 days that we have left can define 2017. The love that we give the love that we just just abundantly and freely give can change other lives and change ours. Parents, the loves, the love and the intentionality we show to our kids over the next 35 days can make the year. You know what? If you're like me, then, then you're just, you're not going to have quite as much money as you'd like to spend on your kids this year. Thank God we have other things to spend on our kids, right? Thank God we've got 35 days right now. It's the Christmas season and I love it. I love the lights. I love Holly. I love the Grinch. I love I love everything about Christmas. I love I love all the stuff. 
But I love that Jesus is front and center. I've got 35 days where everybody, most everybody, has an open ear to hear me talk about Jesus for 35 days. But we've got to be intentional about walking those days out. We rejoice, we give thanks, we trust, and we pray. You guys, pray isn't just for what is. Pray is also, prayer is also but for what is not yet. You guys, we can't control what will happen. We don't prepare our day to try and determine our future and to try and control our future. That's not ours to decide. And that's certainly not within our control. But we appoint our days so that we come into agreement with God for the goodness that He has for us on each and every day. Does that make sense? You can't control whether or not you get a flat tire tomorrow. I don't care how much you pray the night before. And that might be the best thing that happens in your day. There's hard days. But when we appoint the day, we set our hearts to remember that He is good all throughout the difficulties of that day. Friends, we don't let our days determine our life. We let our life determine our days. We've got to grab a hold of that first truth that I stood up here saying, God is good. God is good. God is good. He is loving. There's a saying, and I think it's great. It's not the duration of your life that matters, but it's the donation of your life. We've got 35 days to appoint and to be purposeful and prayerful and grateful and trusting and blessed. So for the next 35 days, love deeply. Show people that you really love them. Show people that you really love God. Show God that you really love God. For the next 35 days, show thanks and gratitude and rejoice and live and laugh and love. I said it before, guys. Reminders aren't bad things. We need to be reminded that these are the things that our Father wants for us. For the next 35 days, let's commit our days into God's hands and appoint them for fulfilling His purposes. Can we, can we be intentional about, about this one thing? Let's not make every day about us. If we appoint our days, we say, Lord, what are your purposes for me this day? Because, Lord, I want to be generous and I want to be giving. And this is the season of giving, Lord. I've given you my life. So what are your purposes this day? Acts 19.21 says this. Now, after these events, Paul resolved in the Spirit. Can everyone say resolved in the Spirit? Paul resolved in the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. Paul resolved in the Spirit. It means to purpose 
in the Spirit to lay down for the carrying out of the plan of God's purposes. I resolved in the Spirit. He didn't just resolve in his mind. He didn't just resolve in his heart. He resolved in the Spirit. As followers of Jesus Christ, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we resolve in the Spirit. Lord, what are your purposes? Because that's what I want to do, Lord. That's what I want to walk out. You want me to go over here? That's where I got to go. I got to go there. Because that's where my God wants me to go. What you got for me there? You're not going to tell me? Okay, I'm going to go anyway. It's going to be great. I'm going to be used. I'm going to be part of your plan. As we approach a new year, we talk a lot about newness. And I want to look at this passage that talks about newness. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. A lot of times we read that and we stop there, but let's keep reading. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. When we talk about the purposes of God, friends, I want you to know that if you believe in Jesus Christ, He has given you the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile those who have, that are lost back into the graces and the favor and the love and the healing of an awesome God. And He's put that with us. And when we purpose our, ourselves and we, we align ourselves in the Spirit, we get reminded of this work of reconciliation, this ministry of reconciliation that we are called to. God wants to see people reconciled unto Him and His love. So there's another side to that gift that we're given to you guys. And on the other side it says, 2018, dreaming with faith and anticipation. 2018, dreaming with faith and anticipation. Friends, dream, but dream with faith. Don't just dream. Dream with faith. See, if we're dreaming with faith, I don't care how big that dream is. It's doable. It's attainable. It's within reach because our God is that big. If we're dreaming with faith, then we are aligning ourselves going, Lord God, it's not just my dreams, but Lord, what are your dreams for me? Because I want that as well, Lord. What do you have for me, Lord? What, what are your dreams, Lord? What are your dreams for me, Lord? Dream with faith and anticipation. Anticipate. Expect. You guys, this isn't entitlement. I'm not talking about entitlement. This is faith. If we believe that God is good and that He has good things for us and that He loves us and His love is completely unwavering and always true and always strong, then we can anticipate the goodness of God in our lives. It's not... It's not and if, we're, if we have gratitude, if we're living lives of gratitude... We don't have to worry about it being entitlement. 
We can anticipate God's goodness. We can expect God's goodness. Because that's what a good God does. He loves. Again, 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. By the way, that rejoice, rejoice always. A lot of times we always hear, you know, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? And we hear Jesus wept. It's also rejoice always. You know, it's a tie for first. Two words. Rejoice always. That's verse 16. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of Christ for you. But what does this last part say? Do not quench the Spirit. How do we quench the Spirit? How do we quench the Spirit? We all might have a different idea of what quenching the Spirit is. Quenching the Spirit takes place when we do not believe. When our life doesn't reflect belief. See, if God wants to use us and we shut it down, then that reflects disbelief in our life. A disbelief that either that God is good or that God will use us or that, that, that we're prepared enough, that he's equipped us enough or whatever it is. If he wants to speak through us or if he wants his gifts to flow through us and we shut it down, that's a lack, that's a lack of faith. That's a lack of belief and that quenches the Holy Spirit. When we don't believe that God is good, that grieves the Spirit. When we don't believe that God loves us, that grieves the Spirit. When we don't believe that God's love and mercy is unshakable and unwavering, that grieves the Spirit. 35 days. How many days are left? Kind of today, how many days are left in this year? I've said it like I've said it like twenty times. Thirty-five days. You guys always think I have trick questions. You're like, he's tricking me. I know he's tricking me. I'm not tricking you. I've said it like twenty times. There's thirty-five days left in this year. It's rhetorical. No, no, this is actual. Counting today. The next thirty-five days can be the most remarkable of the year. But only if we number those days. If we just wait for them to happen, it might be a good day, it might be a bad day, I don't know, but if we number those days, I promise you, it'll be a good day, even if it's a challenging day. If we appoint those days and we set our hearts on the Lord and being used by Him and also set our hearts on the Lord just to see His goodness, they can be the most remarkable days of the year. 2018, can see the goodness of God saturating each one of us like never before. Believe that. Give thanks for that. Pray for that. Rejoice in that. Trust in that. And trust that this is the will of God through Christ Jesus. One last time. First Chronicles 16.34 Oh, give Thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever.